bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchise industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats podcast. I'm Angela Cote, your host of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisees, franchisors, and industry leaders who give on the pulse expert advice and share their franchising insights and experiences. Hello, Angela Cote here, and I am excited to bring you three rock star franchisees from three very successful franchise brands that I happen to know quite well. Today we have with us Kindle and Josh Tomey from Wild Birds Unlimited in Kanata, Ontario. Jeremy Banning from Cobb's Bread Franchise with four locations in Calgary. And Kevin Stapley, Control V franchisee in Lindsay, Ontario. For context, just for anybody that's listening here, my mission is to help franchisors and franchisees optimize performance and profitability by ensuring they bring the right franchisees onto the team and ensuring that they've got the support and coaching to hit their goals and become raving fans. My background, just for context, comes from my upbringing with the family business M&M Food Market, which over the years we grew to almost 500 locations. Um, my dad is the founder and I have had the pleasure of dressing up as Kelly Kebab as a kid in the early, early days and working in our corporate training center and then in the field for four years, supporting franchisees, helping them with their profitability. And you can only imagine 20 year old female boss's daughter showing up to teach older male franchisees who had invested their life savings, how to run their business. I learned a lot, let's just say. So um, then I became a multi-unit franchisee myself and in the past few years have started helping franchisors and franchisees um, have built up my own team now of eight other advisors and intelligent, fun, dynamic folks who share my passion. I'm really looking forward to meeting you all and hearing your stories and learning from you and just helping our listeners understand more about what it takes to become a franchisee and, and how to take those steps and how to get to a point where you're all at. Okay, let's start with each of your journey into franchising, keeping in mind that a lot of our listeners are people who may be thinking of becoming a small business owner through franchising. So let's go at this thinking back to your journey. And Kevin, I'm going to start with you. As you know, I know Robert Bruski, the co-founder of Control V, very well. What in the world were you thinking joining? <laughs> well, I, yeah, for, for us, it was my wife, Lori, and I, we are the, the owners, like co-owners. Uh, I'm predominantly the, the faith. She does all the decision making in the background. But uh, for us, it was we we're both kind of come from an employee background where we worked, you know, for a paycheck and that sort of thing. My wife is a early childhood educator. She works for the local school board and I did uh, security work for a number of years in hospitals. So that's sort of our background and looking to get out of that and do something else. Not really sure what to do. We dabbled in different kinds of, you know, um, you know businesses in the past, right? We partnered with my wife's father and did like a rifle scope and binocular business, built up an e-commerce business with that, did it for a number of years. And then kind of, we all got frustrated with, with it and sort of just let it go uh, at that point. As far as Control V specifically, uh, we have teenage kids. They're big gamers, love gaming and love the gaming all the time. And a few years ago, we were all downtown Toronto. We rented a condo. My wife and daughter were going to a concert and took the boys down. We we're looking for something to do. So I was looking on Groupon and I found a, a Groupon for a virtual reality arcade. And none of us had ever done VR at that point, but it was a good price. So I bought it and we went. And it wasn't a really nice place. It wasn't in a really great part of town or so anything like that. Control, it wasn't a control V. Is that what you're telling us? No, no, it was not. It was like a, just a one-off kind gotcha. of thing. I don't even remember what it was called. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was super fun. And we played and we had a great time. And then the next day we went back before we went home and I took my wife and my daughter and we all went and we did it again. Then my son, uh, my middle son, he saved up his money and he bought a, a, an Oculus Rift virtual reality unit for the house. So then we had it at home and we played it all the time 
friends would come over, their friends, kids' friends, our friends, everybody wanted to play it, right? Everybody was blown away. So I said to my wife at one point, I'm like, we should be charging people to come to our house, right? This is so cool that people would, people would pay us for this. And I said it as a joke and we didn't really talk about it anymore. And then about a month later, same sort of scenario, friends over being goofs and, and everything else. And I said it again, right? And you like, you know, we really should do this. And she's like, yeah, I've been thinking about it. You know, we really should. So we live in a, a small town, fairly small community, and there's not a lot of stuff around here for kids to do. My wife grew up here and uh, we raised our kids here. I grew up someplace else, but I've lived here long enough. But there's not, there's a bowling alley and a little movie theater and there's a drive-in, but there's really nothing for kids to do. And so we thought, you know what, maybe we should look into this. Maybe there is a future in this. So I don't know enough about technology and, and that sort of thing to try to build this thing up on my own. So the first thing I did was go online. That I knew virtual reality arcades existed because we'd been to them. So I started looking online, you know, Googled virtual reality arcades. Control view is the first thing that pops up when you do that. Uh, so I clicked on them. Very, very cool. Everything I saw, I loved. Right, the, and their franchising stuff is right there, front page on the website. And so I reached out, so just looking for some more information, heard back from Robert right away, back and forth. Took some time, we decided to make a trip down, we drove down to Waterloo, toured the arcade, met with Robert, met Ryan and James and, and Josh and all the guys, and just thought, yeah, this is awesome. Right, they're awesome, everything they got going on is awesome. Right, I liked what they stood for, and everything, the way they'd done things, the system they had put in place, the software, how everything worked, it made sense to me. Like, yeah, this is perfect. I'm going to stop there because there were so many good nuggets in what you just talked about. So okay. I want to just reflect on a couple things there. Um, so you saw, well, you had a passion for this. And and as we go throughout this, this ep or this um, interview, I guess, one of the things that I always find really fascinating, I've discovered that there's, there's, there's DNA of a high performing franchisee across brands. It doesn't matter what brand you're in. I've come up with the 10 traits of a high performing franchisee. And one of them is having the passion for the thing you're doing. And, and it could be passion for the, the, the VR or the bakery, or it could be passion for the people, you know, in, in, or for bu business building, but you've got to have some passion. So you had passion for virtual reality. You were, you went from trying it to buying it, it for your home and thinking, joking about, you know, other people could or come in, we could, they could pay to use it. Um, and then you went and checked it out and you, you also mentioned you felt it felt right and you checked on things like their software. So if anybody's thinking like, how do you know? Cause this is a question we hear a lot, right? And you guys probably went through it. Like at some point along the way you had a question like, how do I know if I should actually take this leap of faith? And you really, it sounds like you, you did a lot of, I'm sure a lot of due diligence and you noticed things that were, were right. So, so you were not shopping for a franchise. You you came into this more organically, it sounds like, until well, you were once you knew that you wanted to do something with VR and that you didn't want to start it yourself. Yes, because, exactly. And that's the beauty of franchising is you don't have to be the one to figure it out. And so I do want to just check in with you when you did start, um, what, what was training and support like for you? Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, what kinds of things did they help you? Just so people that are listening can understand. Because another question I hear perspective franchisees ask a lot is is like what are they actually going to help me with like do I have to go find a general contractor do they support me with that do I how, what do I do what do I so what did they how did they help you uh, control v which is the only yeah. franchise where I can I can speak to no you know, for they're, sure I'm control they're, v, yeah. they're very hands-on very hands-on right even when we were considering it and you know I have a million questions and uh, you know Robert was my main contact at at the beginning and he answered all my questions anytime i wanted to know anything he provided information he's very patient and tolerant uh with me going along and then once we're ready to pull the trigger you know they have a very specific process that you follow right the training itself it's five days we Lori and i went to, to waterloo spent five days there and they were like like you know 8 30 in the morning till 11 at night days 
Wow. They started off going through all the processes and everything else, the software, how it works, uh, you know, the hardware, all, all that stuff, how it works, how the stations function. And they had us in working the arcades. Right? Yeah, and on the floor, hands-on, right? And, and yeah, I, checking, actually, checking people in. Yeah, and I, I believe they've actually um, uh, added to that training program, by the way, and I maybe stretched yeah. it out a little bit more. And, and so I know that, the, you know, they're, and they probably did this with you, you know, business training, how to read profit and loss statements and all those things. And, and one other thing I want to point out here, and then we're going to move on to uh, Kindle and Josh, but because we've got lots of good stuff to talk about, but the, um, the fact that Control V is a, an emerging brand versus Cobbs and, and Wild Birds Unlimited are very established brands, and yet you got a intense level of support, even though they're, they're new themselves and figuring it out. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was super, super impressed. It was beyond what I, I, I didn't really know what to expect, but it was more than what I expected. And continues. Awesome. awesome. Well, that, yeah. And we'll get in a little bit about the pandemic and, and how that was, but um, Kindle and Josh, I'm going to go over to you. Um, first of all, I, I, I got to shout out Paul Pickett, <laughs> good buddy of mine. He's, he's your, the COO of the company. And in my opinion, really the face of the brand and just an amazing human, a great leader. So I'm really excited to, to meet you. And, and from what I hear, you two are rock stars yourselves. So <laughs> excited to hear from you because I think people need to listen and decide, you know, and kind of learn from, from what you've gone through. So you opened in July of 2020. So happy anniversary a year ago during the pandemic. Um, and I know that you've done exceptionally well. Um, probably come back to this, but you've apparently blown some records, blown out of the water, current records at Wild Birds Unlimited, which has been in existence for like 30 years. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Congratulations for that. Um, but I'm going to go back a little bit here. And uh, first of all, were you shopping for a franchise or how the heck did you come across this, as Paul puts it, niche brand, Wild Birds Unlimited? How did you, were you shopping for a franchise or what happened there? No, I was not shopping for a franchise. I was shopping for bird seed. Uh -huh. <laughs> Birds Unlimited in the Ottawa location. And I loved the experience of what I, what I felt every time I went in the store. So clearly um, have always had a passion for birds and nature. So that aligned really well with the brand itself. But it was just an opportunity, really. I have been a registered nurse for 15 years. And so I took a quite a career leap in leaving bedside nursing to open a business, uh, which was not intended to be opened in a pandemic, but it worked. So thank goodness. Um, so so that was the transition where it was I was a I was a consumer of Wild Birds Unlimited and discovered that there was a business opportunity in this, and that Josh and I together we could do it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We hear that a lot again, like we hear that a lot, you know, and it sounds almost kind of similar to Kevin. I mean, Kevin, you weren't a customer of Control V because there wasn't one in your area and you saw the need for it, but you were shopping in Ottawa, which is not Kanata <laughs> and knew that you, it sounds like you knew that you wanted to have one of these and you saw the opportunity. Awesome. Yeah. So, and so when you saw the business, was there ever a point where you were like, should we become a franchisee or should we do this ourselves? Like, was it automatic right away that you wanted to get in on that brand or did you ever kind of go, or should we make our own business? We were in love with the brand from the beginning, the products, the look, the feel of the store. We visited other locations through the, you know, through the discovery process to really see if this was right for us. Um, personally for myself, not having any, you know, business experience, I loved the idea of a franchise because I knew that it would be able to help support me in that massive learning curve. And, and really it's, it's the brand that we are so connected to. I was going to say I've run independent um, organizations for the last better part of the last 10 years and having the opportunity to fold in processes and procedures and uh, things that were just set it and forget it marketing or all the different layers that, you have to think about if you're independent, uh, having the support of the franchise was just like an amazing wealth of uh, information for us to really get started. Like the, it was kind of like, how do you get started? Well, here's the information and let's get going on it. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, 
all the questions, not all, I guess maybe not all the questions are answered, but they've already put in the blood, sweat and tears to figure out a lot of things and you can fast track. And, and, you know, I, I always say that, you know, having spent time in the field supporting franchisees, as I mentioned, I, I was opening stores and often they would be restless, but like, why aren't we profitable faster? And, um, but it, so there's a process, but you still have to work hard, which I guess we'll come back to that in a little bit here. Um, but let's just uh, briefly, before we go over to Jeremy, Jeremy, thanks for your patience. We're coming. <laughs> But just, just before we do, you opened, so you opened during the pandemic and as I mentioned, you had some, uh, you did, you hustled. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute, but what was support like for you training and support getting up and running? Yeah. How, especially with everybody didn't know what was going on. Like it's one thing, you know, for them to support you when they kind of know how to do it, but then now even the franchisor was experiencing, all this unsettledness. So yeah, what was that like for you? So we were fortunate that we were able to actually travel down to Indianapolis in February for a week-long immersive training session that, that we were able to participate in. And, and so that was wonderful. We got to meet everyone face-to-face and, and then the training would have continued as well in another store for another week-long ex- training experience, but that was obviously uh, paused. We, we created, of course, mentors with other store owners to help us with some, you know, virtual type training. But we have had a business coach from day one as a franchisee. So you you gave a shout out to Paul Pickett. I'm going to give a shout out to Liz Cleary. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know Liz as well. Then with day one, I think initially we met on a weekly basis because you're right, all these processes were created, but they weren't there when the pandemic struck. So we actually uh, were able to become really innovative and start essentially selling even from the home when our, when our business couldn't get up and running. So yeah, we, we saw many roadblocks, of course, and just found detours. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Did you know that Franchise Canada has a newsletter sent twice a month that's packed full of fresh franchise opportunities? With Franchise Canada e-news, you get new content from Franchise Canada magazine, franchisee success stories, industry news about CFA members, educational videos all about franchising, and you can keep up to date on the newest episodes of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast that you're listening to right now. Plus, by subscribing to Franchise Canada e-news, you get a free subscription to Franchise Canada magazine. Subscribe now at FranchiseCanada.online. Now back to the podcast episode you are enjoying. That's yeah, that's awesome. And I, I, what I really got excited about was when I heard you say about the mentors and I know you actually have become mentors yourself, but just that in a franchise, you can tap into the other expert expertise. I always say like you can leverage, you know, these people are running the same business as you in different markets. So I think there's a real missed opportunity when people don't do that. So I'm excited to hear that that, that kind of probably kickstarted that for you, that you really tapped into that even faster than you might've, if you would have just been reliant on, on the training that you had, but you went an extra step and learned from peers. So that's really cool. We're going to, we're going to come back to that mentorship piece, I hope shortly, but we'll, we'll chat with Jeremy now. <laughs> so um, no, your, your story, Jeremy is a little different. Um, with so you have four locations and your first two locations were existing franchises which i think is really cool awesome that you know well, maybe we, you can share once we get into your story why why you did that and what were the benefits of that first of all though were you looking to become a franchisee were you a customer of cobs what was your story what how did you get started i was familiar with cobs i wasn't a a, a big regular customer i was more the occasional maybe once a month or once every two months type customer. But um, I think like a lot of people, uh, what, what kicked me off in my search for a franchise was, uh, you know, a life change or, you know, different stages in your life. Uh, for me, that, that happened when I uh, started having young kids. So I was uh, working with uh, AW Canada, another great uh, franchise. I, I, was, I was working for the franchisor um, and I was there for about 10 years and I loved it. Um, uh, but again, I was, I was going back and forth across the country in different provinces, uh, trying to help and troubleshoot uh, people's businesses with them and uh, try to encourage uh, sales growth. I loved it, right? Like I, when you said talk about the passion, I think that's, that, that's always that puzzle. How do, we, how do we connect with the customers and how do we grow the business? 
But uh, when all of a sudden I had a couple of young um, kids at home, my, my wife started looking at me funny and my kids started looking at me funny and saying, well, wouldn't you like to be home a little bit more? So, uh, uh, you know, it, it was time in my life to take a look around. And I, and I, I found that uh, Cobbs was a really nice fit for what I needed. So, you know, one of the, one of the uh, uh, commitments you're making with Cobbs is that you're going to be ready to wake up early in the morning. And I was kind of laughing going that like I could never have done that when I was 20. But uh, now I have these young kids and I go to bed with them. Like, you know, it's seven, eight at night. And uh, sometimes they'd tuck me in and uh, sometimes I'd tuck them in. Right. But it, it, uh, it was a nice fit for me uh, when it was time to maybe stop traveling as quite as much. Uh, I, I say as I'm in a hotel room today, but <laughs> uh, and, and be a little closer to home. So it was a neat opportunity for me to, to try to say, um, as you move on to the next phase in your life, how am I going to do that? So I moved from one franchise as a franchisor that I uh, loved and, 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 and found out um, that there's, there's another way to do it from the franchisee side as well. So you, you alluded to the fact that I, I did buy an existing business. And for, for me, a, a big part of that was that I bought it in my community. So it was an established business. Um, again, I was familiar with it and, and it was literally three kilometers from my house. So I was making that change again from getting on airplanes and uh, driving everywhere to saying, if I'm going to be close, you know, like, uh, how close can I be? <laughs> and um, I, I found, um, again, that's one of those motivating uh, pieces of the puzzle for me. And when he said, you really want to grow a business, being in the community for me was a, a, a big driver to say, like, you know, you're, uh, when, when schools are asking for donations, you, you know where the schools are. You, you practice your soccer there and all that type of stuff. So you're, you feel like a little more connected. Yeah. Oh, let's stay on that for a minute then, because um, again, back to the DNA of a, of a high performing franchisee, which all, you guys all clearly are. One of the traits I also add in is, or have in there is the um, being community oriented. Mm-hmm. It's kind of goes hand in hand. There's two actions that kind of go together. One is being community oriented and one is being sales oriented. Mm-hmm. So by, by sales oriented, I mean, comfortable going out and, you know, making the relationships that are going to be mutually beneficial, right? That are going to become partners, whether that's other businesses that you refer each other's customers to, or, or you're going and you're making sponsorships and things, but then the community oriented is like, all of you are, are talking about community here and the importance of that. And I always say, when, when people say, I'm thinking of using the franchise model to grow my business, like I want to franchise my business. And one of the, one of the questions is, does it benefit your business to have somebody locally in the community? Because if not, you can just do like virtual and all this stuff. But if having that boots on the ground in the local community, if that's important to you, then then that um, really it helps the friend. Like that's the beauty of the franchise model. You can get in there and, and do that. So so with you, Jeremy, that that's actually interesting because when I was thinking like being a multi-unit franchisee of four, four locations, I thought maybe you're sounds like your passion for business growth is there too, but yeah. combined with the community aspect. Yeah, well, and um, I, I mean, I think that's a very good point because as I'm growing now, it, uh, there's, there's uh, needs to be some different strategies because there's only so many cobs right next to my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, absolutely, I, I think from cobs, one of the neat things um, that you really focus on is, I mean, trying to get that customer who's walking through the grocery store and uh, you're trying to give them enough reason to walk right by a rack of bread and go out of their way and come to visit your rack of bread, right? Uh, so, I mean, we, we always focus on the fresh bread and, um, you know, really outstanding quality and stuff like that. But, you know, part of that too is that um, a lot of the big grocery stores don't, won't have that same connection as, as, as perhaps some of you, again, as you said, uh, when the kids come in asking for scones for their uh, hockey tournament or... Um, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of lunch programs where we're, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 they're purchasing food for all that and we're showing up and delivering them right to the schools. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, that it's a, that community connection really helps, especially when you're trying to just differentiate yourself from the, you know, some of the, the, the big grocery guys and saying, like, we're a, bo- a bit of a boutique and it's a, uh, uh, there's a great reason to come by and visit us. Yeah. You're speaking my language because of my M&M blood, which I I no longer, by the way, like I'm not a franchisee anymore. I've sold my stores and my dad actually sold the company about seven years ago. So I'm not trying to promote M&M by any means, but that. that, My my very first location had an M&M two doors down. And yeah, they go well together. I mean, it's the same type of idea. Say, hey, you know, like walk right on past that that frozen uh, uh, food aisle and walk right past the bakery aisle and come, come visit us for. Uh, we got something better for you. Yeah, exactly. And that that actually kind of segues into this. Um, uh, you know, people used to, especially small business owners that weren't franchisees or that were beco- thinking of becoming a franchisee. It's 
onto another trait of, of the, the DNA is, is like having the grit, you know, to, to do the work, to get that person, like you say, to walk past the, the bread rack at the grocery store and come see you guys. You know, we, we were the, th- I opened this, my store, my first store of the three was the 300 store in the chain. And a couple others I had soon after that sounds like I had kids. I had, <laughs> they were like babies. We, even though we became an iconic Canadian brand and I had my stores for 18 years, we didn't just sit there all the time, turn the open sign on and wait for people to come. Like, like we were, and for anybody that's listening to this, not probably on video, there's some head nodding going on right now from all of us. <laughs> we're like, yup. Um, it's, uh, you know, it just because it's a franchise doesn't mean it's going to be like just easy. Yes, it's easier because you get instructions. You have, there's all kinds of benefits, but it is important. I think for people, if they want to be successful as a franchisee to understand that there's, there's going to be ups and downs. There were times where we, you know, we naturally just had less competition in the market or whatever it was going on. And so, but overall that, like you say, the getting out and sponsoring, you know, or, or donating the scones to the, the teams and, and doing those things. So on the note of grit, though, I'm going to move over for a second to Kindle and Josh. Um, you guys, so you guys were hustling and really, you know, pushing the, tell us a little bit about like, so in during the, the beginning for you guys, I just, I, I know that not every franchisee does this. Like, this is why you guys are setting records. So just, if you can just talk a little bit about like what you were doing early on, you were doing Facebook live events. Maybe you can just give a couple examples of things you did so people can understand these are ways to market a, a business. Like the ways that you came up with and, or, or the franchise might've given you the idea, but a lot of people don't do the things and you guys actually did it. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we were definitely, um, innovators in, in some of the, the concepts we had to come up with because we, we built a business plan around being able to have the community come into our store. And when that brick and mortar opportunity got slowed down, we had to find a way to create a community without that face-to-face interaction. And we were moving into a time where people were looking for a little bit of light and hope when there was so much unknown and uncertainty and nature and birds bring that they they're just it's peaceful a moment in nature is you know it's a it's a recharge so we were very fortunate that we were entering into a business model that already was going to succeed during a time when there was nothing else that you could do but stay home and really watch the birds and so we we took to our facebook page and really created a community every Friday at 12 o'clock I would go live on Facebook and host a little 20-minute episode and I might talk about different birds I might talk about things you could do with the kids outside migration I just picked a fun topic every Friday so that by the time I was able to open my doors in July we had well over 3,000 Facebook followers. And when people were finally able to come into the store, they were like, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you. I've seen you on Facebook so many times every week. And, and, and we, so we immediately just created connections with, with, our, with our community through that. And, and, and that's really, I think, what set us apart and helped us really move fast forward in our success. I, I, that is so cool. I saw Jeremy's eyes go like yeah. big when you said 3000 before, before they even open. That's amazing. Yeah. Very, very cool. And that people crave connection and community. So when you can offer that and for what it's worth, I mean, I think like, yes, of course, like birds would be like in a totally like the nature and the, the, that brings people together. But I think you can do, do that with a lot of uh, services and products. Like I, I bet, I don't know if Jeremy, you've ever done anything like this, but I bet people would love to see like behind the scenes at like four or 5 AM, you know, making the bread and how does it, do you actually mix the ingredients then or is it pre-mix like all the little background stuff? Have you ever done, done anything like that? surprised to find that uh we, we do get people that want to see behind the scenes but not at three or four a.m yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> you can pre-record 
<laughs> yeah. When you when you talk about the community stuff, one of the things we uh, uh again a little less with the COVID going on, but uh, uh like uh, Boy Scouts or uh, and Girl Scouts and stuff like that, uh, we would have groups come through, and uh, you know we wouldn't have the big mixers on and stuff like that, but we'd have we'd have them right by closing time at night, and they'd come in and we'd do some you know make some scones and stuff like that. Uh, uh, give them their own little uh, they decorate them up and they take them out and uh, you, you get to talk about the process but again more than anything it's just trying to get people into the bakery maybe it's their first time and they, they take home a little six pack of scones to share with their family so yeah this is same, same, but everybody wants to look behind the scenes but maybe maybe the light version yeah <laughs> that's so good and but it, it also that creates loyalty right and like that they got they got behind and when they when they're looking at that loaf of bread at the grocery store and then they suddenly you pop into their mind or, or the you know the people in the in the actual location they're like I want to support those people right like that that's actually another thing I wasn't planning on going there but I think you know that yeah what are your thoughts well, on that? It, it, I was about to say like so and again we, we of course with with kids we're trying to keep it fairly simple and small uh but so we're not uh um you know, mixing doughs or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we, we always love to talk about our sourdough. And again, for a lot of, you know, five and seven-year-olds, they might not have a clue what sourdough is, but, uh, you know, they're, they're getting a chance to smell it and it's fermenting. And it's like, you know, these, these big bins in the back of our store where it's getting ready for the next day. And, um, you know, if you can inspire a, a curiosity for like artisan breads with a five-year-old, uh, you've made a connection. And, and again, nothing beats it, like showing them a bit of, you know, again, fermenting dough and they're going, this is what I'm eating. Like, it's, it's great, well, right? It's science. They're learning, you know, it's science too, right? So they're yeah. getting lessons out of it. So that's really cool. Oh man, I want to just, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I'm going to stay on grit for a minute with Kevin because holy smokes, I mean, I, I've been alongside, you know, your co-founder, Robert Brisky during this whole lockdown and about all the businesses, I think you guys probably are one, the one that has struggled the most because you guys were not categorized under, you know, the, the, the restriction or the, um, the, the openings, open. right. The phases, like uh, you guys really have started. I think, are you open now? Are you open yet? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> We're all clapping here. Um, so let's just um, kind of just touching on how just the grit that it takes for, you know, oh my gosh, for you to have to like growing as we talked about a franchise, even a franchise, it's still a business. It takes time as it is, but for you, I mean, the others too, but especially in your business, I know that you, you've said that organic growth you know, building relationships takes time and effort, but that it builds a strong foundation. Can you speak a little bit to that and or some of the things that you've done, you know, while you're locked down? So we've been locked down for every lockdown, right? We we are not considered such a business. For just well, just for anybody that's listening, Ontario is the lockdown capital of I think the world. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah, very, so, very you know, we're we're like first 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 to be closed, last to be opened type of business, I could make an argument that we actually are providing essential service to a degree because it's an escape and, and you know, it, it's fun, it's social, all that sort of thing, which has been missing. But safe um, social because you're just for anybody that is listening, like, I don't know if people realize you're in a cubicle, like you're in a 10 foot by 10 foot cubicle with a 10 by 10. sanitized headset on, like talk about that a little bit as you, as you tell this too. Yeah, exactly. 10 by 10, everybody has their own space. But in VR, you're all connected together. So once you put your headset on, you're in an arena and all your other friends are all in there physically in their own spaces, far apart from you. Shooting zombies. Yeah, shooting zombies, flying around, shooting at each other, bow and arrows. Not really, like you're really, you're socially distanced. Like you're socially distanced while you're together. That's You're in the world playing, right? You can see each other's characters. You can talk to each other. The headsets are all mic'd. So you can separate and still play together, right? Just in a different world. But yeah, okay. getting back to, to your question about uh, a grit and a struggle and that sort of thing. Being closed, we'd only been open just over a year. We just put in our first year, we're starting to get some traction and then COVID hit and it was just literally like 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay, close, shut only for a couple of weeks, right? And then it stretched on for a month. It was until July, we were closed. Then we opened up and then we had to close down right about Christmas time and really haven't been open much since, right? So we, we worked really hard in that first year to build community. If we get people in here, it's super fun. Everybody has a great time. It's memorable. People talk about it. We make a point of communicating with the parents while the kids are playing 
and people like that. If you look through our, our reviews and stuff that customers leave for us, almost always there'll be some sort of comment about uh, the staff, right? Staff were great, super friendly, very patient, very helpful, great for the community. Uh, a lot of feedback from people in the community thanking us for just being here. Just really glad that you brought this to Lindsay and that there's a place now for us to bring our kids or you know, just come out with friends and things like that. So we really appreciate it, hope you never leave. And so we've been kind of kind of leaning on that while we've been closed, putting out some content here and there, silly videos and stuff like that, just to keep us fresh. But as soon as there's some talk about things opening, then we start getting emails and phone calls. Are you guys open yet? When are you opening yet? Right, my son's birthday is coming up. When can we book a birthday party? So it's just, it's really nice. It's really encouraging to hear that. So I'm anticipating now as we open back up that we should open up fairly strong. But I think there's a lot of people that are just waiting for an opportunity to come back. That's awesome to hear. Cause yeah, I, everything you're saying resonates so much that, you know, people that they want they want to get out and do things and have fun again and all that. So um, that's really cool. And, and are you, do you have any, like, how have you kept, if, if at all, um, well, you, so I guess you already said, so Facebook, you've been keeping up on social media to try to keep people engaged. Yeah. Yeah, basically, there's limited in what we can really do because we don't have something that we can uh, move offline or move online solely, right? We are a brick and mortar. You have to come in, into the arcade to, to you enjoy us. Yeah, and if I understand correctly, one of the differentiators from even if you were comparing your arcades to the home versions is you're, there's so much more powerful, more games, um, like it's overall higher quality games and, and things, if I understand correctly. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the biggest thing is the social aspect, right? If you have VR at home, yeah, you can play and your friends come over, you can all take turns, but eight of you can come into our arcade and all at the same time play for an hour or two hours together, right? Laugh, joke, change things up, right? All, all that you want. So that's what makes it a better experience. It, it is better quality. The visuals are better. The equipment is better. But it's, I find really it's a social aspect. It's being able to come in with your friends and just completely leave this world for an hour and just have fun, be silly, be goofy. I love watching adults like our age come in and be laughing and, and like ducking and jumping and dodging all over the place. Like acting like kids, right? Who gets to do that anymore? Yeah, I, 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 so I tried the um, haunted house in at the Waterloo location. Oh my goodness. So Kindle and Josh, if you guys get a chance, I think there's one that might be opening in Ottawa. So in the maybe next few months or so. And uh, I think there's not maybe, or is it Calgary, Kevin? Edmonton and Lethbridge. Either way, my point is if you get a chance to go try the haunted house, it is this, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like you, you think you're actually in a haunted house. Things are very scary and they're coming at you. Another one is the plank. You get, you get off this elevator and you have to walk on this plank. And I literally could not walk on the plank, but I was really just on the ground. Like I'm in, I'm, it's virtual reality. So, and, and the diamond, yeah. That's my favorite one to watch other people do. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll just come and watch people also. Yeah, very Actually, cool. I could charge people for that. Dude, yeah, maybe. you could just like, it's like an admission fee. It's a little less expensive, right? Yeah, well, of course. There you go. That's another good little revenue. Maybe you should approve it with the franchisor. I'll run a bottle. Speaking of traits of a high-performing franchisee, one of them is also being a systems follower. I always say comfortable following systems, but just again, for anybody listening, you know, it's, it's um, good franchise systems will have feedback, you know, portals or, or, or communication systems in place to hear the feedback from people on the front line, because you guys are the one, and I remember this as a franchisee myself, you know, you might notice something isn't, isn't as efficient as it could be. And if you can give that feedback and feel heard. So, you know, I, I know that is, is really important. I thought I'd just, uh, I'm going to kind of, there's two areas I still want to go here where we're getting closer to wrapping up, but um, I'm going to come back to the mentoring for a minute with Kindle and Josh. So you actually have already in this past year become mentors to other new wild birds unlimited franchisees how does that work like did somebody recognize it and say can you just get on calls or is there a format is it casual i mean originally you tapped into mentors and now you're already mentoring others yeah i i, I don't 
you know, I've always thought, why would, why would someone have to reinvent the wheel if there's a process that's already out there? And so we've always, um, we've always shared our successes. You know, it usually goes to our business coach first, you know, and I'll, I'll say, you know, we did this process and it worked really great for us. So, you know, if, if you want to share that with, with your team, please share it. Um, and then, and so it's been through that process that we've had other, you know, new potential franchisees or um, existing franchisees reach out to sort of, hey, can you kind of talk me through that Facebook Live? How do you get your head in that space? You know, what, you know, I've even kind of broken down how I share my format in terms of getting there and staying on topic and not crumbling on a Facebook Live video when I'm literally just looking at my own face for 20 minutes. And, and so I, I love to share those wins that we have because it, it only helps to better strengthen the brand. You know, I, I, when we started our franchise, I said, cause Canada is part of the greater Ottawa area. And I said, our goal, you know, when you set these big hefty goals was that any person in all of Ottawa, they thought of bird seed, they would just think of wild birds unlimited. They wouldn't think of the hardware store. They, the, that our name would come to mind. And you know what? I think we're really getting there. <laughs> I think we've had a huge impact in the last year, a lot being, you know, through our social engagement, because, you know, we, we, we set those goals and, and, and we support other, we support other franchisees. So it's just, I don't know if you have anything you want to add, Josh. I think the idea of having a face to a brand as well in a community takes that uh, energy that we have in the store and it extends it to, again, a virtual setting in which uh, we can help other stores get to the point where they're doing customer acquisition without even knowing it. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's a formula for success. And I think that a lot of franchises have kind of tuned into that and are looking towards how they can improve their, their position when it comes to digital. I love that because people buy from people, right? And when a lot of times I think people are, I know, I don't just think they're insecure about getting on, on Facebook. Like you just said, you went on Facebook live looking at yourself for 20 minutes. Like I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with that, but if you can show your fellow franchisees role model it, and then kind of walk them through how to do it, that they can do it too. And it's not, I always say, you know, perfection's the enemy of done and, you know, just by doing it, we have, we, you know, action equals growth. If we just do it, we're going to grow. So I think that's really cool. It sounds like you've naturally just, yeah, you've met or inspired others to, to do the same. So very cool. I'm going to move over now to Jeremy as we get closer to wrapping up here. And, and the last question, if we have time here, will be if there's, you know, a, a one piece of advice you'd give to uh, just for everyone to start thinking about um, advice you'd give to others considering franchising right now, especially as we begin to emerge from the pandemic. If you have anything you want to add at the end. Um, but Jeremy, just back to four locations, that's super um, admirable. I know when we had the three, we ended up selling one and went down to two because it was just so much. So good for you. Um, if you could just speak a little bit to what, what it was like buying existing versus new, and then whether you have any growth plans, are you still going? Or are you happy with the four? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm happy to talk on that because I think um, when you're considering buying a franchise, the risk profile is a pretty darn important decision to make. So, I mean, there's, there's you know, smaller new franchisee, franchises that uh, might be, uh, you know, getting ready for explosive growth. There's the mature ones that might cost a lot more. And, um, you know, they're, 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 there's a whole uh, gamut of uh, things, uh, of, uh, I, I guess, risk uh, as well as reward. And for me, um, uh, where I was sitting, uh, I needed to mortgage my house to get a Cobbs. I needed to, you know, scrape together every penny from the uh, couch Mm-hmm. And uh, I needed to, and I, we, we talked about training programs. I didn't know how to bake bread. I knew how to run a business, but I, I, I was not a baker. Uh, so I needed to do a three month training program without a salary. Right. And uh, it, it, so it's a big, just to clarify, you mean like hands-on working in the business without taking a salary? Yeah. In the morning, uh, make, making bread in somebody else's bakery. Right. It, it, yeah. it, it's like the mentoring, you know, I mean, you don't want to make it sound like uh you were just working for them. I was learning a lot. You know, after at the end of that three months, you come out going like, "Oh, I'm I'm a baker now, actually, right? Like I, I wasn't before, but I am now." And uh, but it, it, that's a big investment, right? And uh, as I said, I had the young kids, and I was putting my uh, I was mortgaging my house and all that type of stuff. When I looked at the risk factor of uh, of a new store, which again you can open up to amazing sales, medium sales, or low sales, and you just don't know. I was much more comfortable maybe paying a little bit of a higher price for that established cash flow, right? 
and uh, and again as i said the first two stores i actually bought were existing stores and i just felt that that was um again it's not that you get a better deal in my mind but i look at the stores and said i, I think i can make an improvement on their customer service or their uh, execution and um and i know exactly what they're doing now so uh you're you're, you're basically you know uh, investing in the current cash flow and saying i'm betting on myself to make it better so i i i, I really like that reducing the risk in that way I felt uh, much more confident putting my house up when uh, I knew that it was already doing a certain amount of sales. And, and again, I'm, I'm terrifically pleased to say that we've, we've, you know, we've been able to increase it at, at, at both those locations that I bought. So yeah, just on that, there's a, there's an important nugget in here that it's very, a lot of it, and you guys are probably laughing because I'm saying nuggets and you think it's because of M&M, but <laughs> <laughs> nuggets of information, not chicken nuggets. Um, but the fact that, Usually when a franchisee is on, on his or her way out, they, there's a, that means there's going to be an opportunity there. I find like they don't usually go out high, high on high. So if, if you're looking at it and you're thinking, I should, like there's a good chance you're going to be able to bring it up. You, but it, it's, it's sort of part of the formula. And also I just want to really acknowledge the differences. You get to see the numbers of the bit. Not only is there goodwill and customers and all that, but you can actually look at the numbers. So I just wanted to clarify that for anybody that might not have known that you, you know, that's a big difference. Well, and, and uh, like you said, you can go so deep into this that, uh, again, so uh, the, uh, the franchise support you get is again, I was looking at one that was posted for sale and uh, it actually went to somebody else. And I kind of went, ah, rats, you know, maybe these cobs isn't for me. And, um, and, and, you know, but they, they said, well, we think you're a good candidate. And, and one of the things I loved is that they said, we see a couple people that are kind of peaking, you know, they've been in here five to 10 years and they're not up at the business as much anymore. And maybe it's time for you to, uh, you know, approach them. So I think Cobbs did an excellent job of trying to um, intervene and help them realize that before they went down too much. Right. Cause that's always key as you're saying, if, if, if you, if you've lost the passion for business, yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what business you're in, uh, you're, you're going to stop seeing the same return. So I think Cobbs did a great job kind of stepping in, connecting me to that first location to say, Hey, it's in your neighborhood. I think it's the right time. Um, go shake his hand and let's see what happens. And, and again, from that perspective of that outgoing franchisee, you can sell your business so much easier, right? The brand exists. There's other franchisees you could sell to. There's incoming franchisees. Uh, I, you know, like it, it, it's, it's great to be out there independent, but if you have the only one of a store, even if it's really successful, it, it's, it's a lot more complicated to sell it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm inspired by that. I, 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 you always say that the, the day you get into business, you should start thinking about how you're getting out of the business. Absolutely. And, and this is, uh, and being in a, in a successful franchise is, is almost my entire plan. Just because, again, if it's successful, you'll have a way to market it and get rid and, and, and sell it when you're done. Yeah. I love that you talked about that. Yeah, for sure. It's, I, I think everybody should go in talking about, and I always encourage franchisors to talk to their franchise candidates and say like, what is your act, like your longer term vision for this so that you don't end up exiting when the business is down and you're not happy and you lose money and, and all that. So I love that you brought that up. And, and just real quick, do you have any plans to expand? Yeah. Well, and I started talking about life stages and one yeah. of the big uh, ahas for me was that my, uh, my, my youngest kid who won't graduate uh, high school for another 10 years. So for me, I got this 10 year horizon and um, I would love to, I, I'm not, you know, we, we just opened up our fourth, so it's, it's not gonna be next week, but uh, definitely we are um, in that phase where I go, um, it's, this has been great for my, this stage of my life. And uh, I'm gonna try to see uh, how, how well I can run with it and, uh, until the next stage, yeah. Yeah, that's how I approach it too. That's very cool. Man, we could, I feel like we could talk all of us for three more hours, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we got to start to wrap up. So let's find out from each of you real quick here. Um, just final question of advice, especially for people that might be thinking like that the, you know, with the pandemic, it might've caused, well, obviously causes uncertainty in all of us, but thinking now is now the time? Like, should I do this? Kevin, I'll start with you. Uh, what, what, what would be your advice? Uh, my advice would be to, Focus first on something that you're passionate about or that is meaningful to you, like that you find rewarding, and then look to see how much money there is to be, you know, to be made in that industry for, because as a business owner, right, this is going to be your life. It's going to consume, you know, your life uh, and be, you know, sometimes your number one priority for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so if it's not something you enjoy, it's not something you're passionate about, then you're not going to be happy. 
And if you're not happy, you're not going to be, you're going to struggle to be successful. You may make a lot of money, but you're not going to be, you know, a happy person. You can make a little less money maybe uh, and do something that is rewarding and that you're passionate about, you know, you'd be much better off. Love it. So good. Okay. Kindle and Josh, your little piece or last piece of advice. Uh, I'd say I like the idea of putting your faith in the process. Uh, there's so many processes that have been done before you uh, that are made to be put in place to make you successful. Everything from finding location to, you know, opening your stores on the first day, but also don't be afraid to ask because if you don't ask, you don't get, we say that often. It's kind of, if this process isn't exactly right, like, and there's a better way of why can't we look at uh, reviewing that process and potentially doing something different or something better. Um, so I like this idea of uh, improving processes as you move forward throughout your journey, your franchising journey, because in six months from now, something might be different. You might be like Jeremy going into enterprise view of things and that's going to take you from being in the business to being outside the business more and more. So um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. It's been exciting to learn over the last year. Uh, when- yeah, and, and over the last year, I would have to say, even having been a registered nurse at the bedside for 15 years, I think I worked harder in the last year than I did in those 15 years. And, and that hard work is what's paid off. But it's not that I've spent all that time just working sales um, and, and serving customers at the front. I've, I've grown a team from, you know, two staff when we started a year ago up to eight staff, and we're going to keep on growing. So my job as, as a franchisee is not just working the sales, but driving. I don't physically drive them into the store, but I would if I had a bus big enough. I'd pick all, the, all those customers, but driving those customers in the store. So constantly working behind the scenes and you know I'll have a day where it's like hmm, that was a little quiet today what did I post on Facebook what can I do tomorrow to engage my community and get them coming in the door so yeah it's you know as Kevin said there's no days off like you're you're completely immersed once you're once you get started so yeah be prepared (laughs) real honest with everyone here and Jeremy your advice your final advice for anybody uh it's a horrible sports cliche, unfortunately, but uh, I love that you talked about grit in, uh, in in one of your topics. And I just, uh, uh, the, the franchisor can be like the coach, but when it comes down to it, you got to get out there and you got to put in the hard work like a player if you want to make it happen. Um, and you got to be willing to follow the coach's plan, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that unique amount of entrepreneurism and, um, and being able to follow the game plan. And I just, be, be prepared for that, right? Like just be prepared to really hit the ground running, have that grit, understand that uh, they're, they're, they have a great systems out there, but if you're not the one working for it, it's, it's not going to happen for you. So in the end, you're the one that, that's in the trenches and you got to make it happen. So pick the right coach, pick the right systems, and then uh, work, work your little tail off. Awesome. Love it. And totally agree with all of you. That was awesome advice. Thank you so much to all of you for giving up your time. You're, you guys are clearly rock stars and you're, you know, when it comes to the grit and all that, you're doing it. So, and you're happy and it doesn't, you know, and it's, it's because you've done, you know, all these things that you've said. So thank you so much, you guys, and go be awesome. Thanks for listening. For more franchising resources, including how-to articles, expert advice, franchisee success stories, and franchise opportunities, visit FranchiseCanada.online. Don't forget to subscribe to Franchise Canada e-news while you're there. You can also learn more about franchising at CFA.ca and connect with specific franchise opportunities at lookforafranchise.ca. Now go be awesome.